it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode nine of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In episode eight, we spoke with Jacob Johnson and Ben Carlson about the adversity the team faced during the season. At this point in our journey, Jacob is injured and the team is on a three-game losing streak. But today, we're going to step outside the season and talk about real adversity with Joel Okafor. Joel has a remarkable story. He left Nigeria at age 14 to pursue a dream. He's dealt with some things in the process that many his age have never experienced. So we're going to dive deep in his story and let you hear inside how he's faced the odds and overcome them in his pursuit of an I Am Third life. In the second half, Coach Tonegal will join us to give his thoughts on Joel's story, as well as why facing adversity with the right attitude is so important. We're joined now by Joel Okafor. Joel, take us back to your childhood in Nigeria. Uh, so growing up, um, playing basketball, uh, you know, one of the dreams everybody have then, just where I'm from, is just how they want to come to the United States and, you know, get a good education uh, and also play the game just uh, United States is known for you know one of you know the best basketball country of the world, and also just a lot of good opportunity when it comes to um, getting good education. So, uh, growing up as a kid, I've always had this dream just to come here and just uh, just playing the game that I love and being able to get education and just connect with people from you know different culture and just you know different places. But you come from a close family. Tell us a little bit about your family back home. Uh, so my family, I mean, I have two brothers and a sister, my mom and my dad, and pretty close, like you said. Uh, it was one of the hardest things, uh, just being able to leave at the age of 14. Um, you know, my family, they've, they've always wanted what's best for us, and um, uh, just just being able to make sure, like, we whatever we want to do, they're they able to support us. So when the idea came of me coming to the United States, uh, like I said, it was really hard, mostly for my mom, but it was like a thing where that's what he want uh, and he wants to go pursue it. And uh, they were able to support me. And I mean, I couldn't thank them enough um, for, for the support they've given me, just even from when I, uh, when I came here and to today, like how much you know they call me and the, the prayers, they always pray for me. So you see this opportunity in America, something you're passionate about, but you're saying bye to your family. What are you thinking as you board the plane and you're coming over to the America for the first time? Uh, so coming coming over to America, like it's just it became a thing that's not just for me. It's something that's bigger than me because you know I'm leaving my family at the age of 14, and I know how hard it was for them. So coming in, it was like you know. As I come in here, like I know, like this life, you know, coming in here and the life I'm living is not just for me, but also people back home, and not just my family, but just where I'm from, where I play basketball. Because I want to set a good example, um, just you know, knowing that I'm from a program um, called Rookies Academy, I want to set a good example, and also for my family, not letting them down. So you know, just coming in here is just you know, um, just knowing that 
whatever I'm going through, I just know that I have people back home that's praying for me and that have support for me. So I know um, that, you know, regardless of anything that comes my way, just thinking back home and thinking the people that have my support that I'll be able to get through whatever comes my way. You're 14 years old. You leave your family and you come to the United States to pursue basketball and greater opportunity from what your, your dreams were from a young age. But you arrive in a situation that was different than you expected, and it leads to a big decision. Take us through that time and what happened. So um, I got to the United States, North Carolina, and uh, it wasn't what I thought. You know, it was gonna it was gonna be. Uh, so I had to make a big decision, uh, and I remember calling my dad and talking to my dad about what was going on here, and uh, and he told me, um, you know. I'm the one here, and I know what's going on, and I, and just just to pray about it, and also they've been praying for me about it too, uh, and to make the big decision. And I remember also calling Danny Dowdu, uh, who was my mentor, and you know talking to him, and he's been through this path, and he was the one that was able to walk me through it. And you know he talked to me about you know just kind of weighing my option, and uh, we we just knew that was in the you know the best option for me, so I had to leave him. Uh, went um, transferred to Richmond, and you had some great times in Richmond. You end up with an amazing host family. Mm-hmm. You have some unbelievable seasons, both on the court, but also the relationships you form there. But it's just amazing to me to think about a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen-year-old. You're not able to see your parents. You're creating a life for yourself. How are you able to keep going forward? and take on this much responsibility in your life at this age? Uh, you know, at that age, I mean, it wasn't just me. It was a lot of support, just a lot of people that I met in Richmond, just, you know, bring me in as their family uh, and just, you know, be able to know my story and just know where I'm from, uh, specifically both those family that I stayed with. My, I stayed with a guy my freshman year, and then I moved in with my actual host family that I stayed with for three years and just how much support they gave me and just... Also, just, you know, being able to tell them, you know, the reason why I came in, just how much they hold me accountable and being that, you know, parents for me and, you know, also being able to connect to my actual parents in Nigeria. And, you know, that just gave me so much joy and just so much, you know, I know that I have people around me to to keep going no matter what. Uh, And also, like I said, you know, whenever I feel like, man, you know, I don't want to do this or, you know, I'm feeling like I'm losing, you know, um, motivation to do what I want to do or to, to get to my goal, I always think back to, you know, I have a family that I haven't seen so much. And, you know, me coming here and not being able to to meet that, you know, get to that goal is, is kind of like a disappointment to my family and just from where I'm from. So uh, that's just what drives me every day to, to, to do, you know, to get to my goal and just to be great in whatever I do. It's, it's so inspiring to watch your life unfold, but that doesn't mean there weren't challenges. What were some of the hardest parts about being an American? What did you miss most about back home in Nigeria? Um, the hardest part is definitely the holidays. Uh, uh, you, you know, having those holidays and mostly Christmas because, you know, <laughs> we have, you know, like a tradition in Christmas where we go to church before, before uh, on the 24th of December, and we also go to church on on thirty first, which is my birthday, uh, of thirty first of the of December before New Year, um, I miss those days where we go to church at nine. We come back, and uh, my dad is like, you know, 
playing music, dancing, and my mom is cooking. You know, <laughs> I'm just in there in the sitting room with my dad, just having fun. I miss those, you know, all of their moments. And uh, also, I miss the food. Uh, so those, you know, sometimes I, I think back or just, like, moment where, like, I have a really good game, like me being able to make the Indiana All-Star and not, not having my family there to come watch and just all the moments, you know, graduating from high school, them not being there, you know, those are really hard for me. But again, uh, you know, when I go back on the phone and talk to them and just tell them and just how much joy they have that, you know, you know what I came here to do and I'm actually going after it, that, that also just kind of take out those those um, burden away from my shoulders, just knowing that they're happy for me and, you know, I should just keep going and they're proud of me. Because of your perseverance and your personality and the energy level you bring, you're able to build a support system around you. One of those guys being Daniel, who you mentioned, and he came with you on your visit to Indiana Wesleyan. You go to Division One school, you transfer here, and I remember you guys talking through the decision. You decide to come to Indiana Wesleyan, and it's another culture shock for you. And I would say the first year probably didn't go the way you or we were expecting. What happened that season? Uh, so coming into IWU, like you said, it was a big culture shock. I, I've never been around a program to just think about, you know, just going after artists, you know, so much. And uh, coming in, into IWU, I, I didn't really understand that concept, uh, just in a deeper level. Uh, but first going after Christ and then going after artists, then before you. So uh, I think that just kind of, you know, just kind of messes me up, like, it wasn't what I was used to, so it's it was just always like you know what about me like you know I'm not I'm not doing good and you know and stuff like that and I can I can sense some frustration because uh, you know things wasn't going the way I thought it was going to go I thought I was going to come in and just you know right away uh, be able to you know just dominate uh, and you I can sense that you guys were having some the coaches were having some frustration too like you know like I'm not I'm not you know kind of living up to kind of what I was thinking I was going to do coming in. And uh, and I know also just how you guys kind of handled me, just kind of let me kind of get used to the system because just kind of let me come around and, you know, just doing that and just knowing that, you know, I'm here, I, I'm not looking back and I'm not going to leave this place. And somehow I'm going to figure it out because I've, I've been through a lot of struggles and I've, you know, got through those struggles and I know uh, – just being able to come to come every day, wake up every day, and come to practice, and just keep playing hard, and just keep being hoping that something is gonna click. And just throughout the years, I mean, it, it took longer than I expected, but I knew at some point it was gonna come. And uh, and towards the end of the season, it came, and ever since then, it, it's never been the same, and uh, it's never gonna be that way moving forward. We like to say your first year here, you averaged two points per month in January and February. You weren't even getting on the floor at all for mm -hmm. a stretch of time. What was going through your mind as you were transferring to this NAI school? It was a different culture than you'd been used to, and you're sitting on the bench watching. Uh, it's humbling. Uh, I mean, it, it, I've never been on the bench, even from high school. Even at Bradley, I mean, I still played. I still – I've – some minutes uh, when I wasn't playing a lot, but coming here, you know, coming from a Division One school to a Henry school, I mean, it's just so much humbling, and just teach me how much not to focus on myself and just focus on artists and just at the end of the day, it's a team first and you know be able to learn, you know, how to be, you know, how to put people first before you and 
and I can look back to to those time and just thank God that God used that moment to to teach me how to to put people first and uh, and that, it's it's true of your whole life where you face adversity and rather than look inward you eventually stop pursuing me and start pursuing three mm-hmm. and you overcome this adversity and there was some a week maybe in that season where everything changed mm-hmm. and you went to a different level and you end up starting and leading us to the final four, even though you hadn't played most of the month of January and February, how did everything click with you during that time? I just told myself, I'm going to stop putting, you know, the complaints on people. I'm going to hone on to it. And whenever I go and practice every day, I'm going to lay my body on the line. Uh, I'm going to do the little things. Hmm. And uh, I remember doing the little things, how, you know, that was what you guys saw the most when I started doing the little things. In the beginning of the year, I was trying to do the big things, uh, and it wasn't working for me. But when I started doing the little things, like setting screens, looking for guys that can score, um, lose balls, rebounds, uh, just just doing those little things that really actually matters lead up to the big things. So I feel like that was just how everything shifted for me, just coming in looking outwards and just doing the little things for the team. There was a week in practice I remember where every team you were on won, every drill. And we started noticing Joel is really influencing the, the guys he's around, and they're all elevated when they're on their team. And it's amazing now to look back. You've started for a year and five games. And the first five games you started, you took us to the Final Four. And this year you led us to the national championship last January or February when you're sitting on the bench. I don't think anyone would have dreamed – that you would have ended up doing what you've done in the last year and a half, but it's really a credit to the way you started to pursue three, and it's it's been fun to watch. But I want to take you to one more moment of adversity early this season, specifically when it deals with Daniel, because you've had so much adversity throughout your life, and you've experienced things that I or many of our listeners never have, and the way you've dealt with them and overcome them is really inspiring. But maybe the hardest moment of all happened early on in this season. Yeah. Um, the death of my is a mentor to me, uh, Danny Daudu. Uh, when I came here, I mean, he was one of the ones that inspired me to come in here. And just every decision I've made has been with me through um, those decisions. Uh, he passed away, uh, I think uh, it was the first game of our season. Uh, and I remember getting the call, and I was just like, I mean, it was just like not real. It was, it was crazy, like knowing that I saw him that Sunday before um, going down to Michigan to play, uh, that I wasn't going to see him again. It was probably one of the, the hardest adversity I've ever come across. And uh, uh, it kind of just, uh, it, that just kind of changed my whole perspective of, of life moving forward. And uh, just seeing that someone that, you know, I've always gone to and always go talk about stuff with and you know everything about basketball and even life and just you know share moment together like he he was a person that kind of bring that home like home in Nigeria to me here in the United States uh, and not being able to see him it was hard but uh, the way that I, I was able to get through that was just to just to live through him and uh, and I've seen myself doing that several times um, just just carrying on his legacy, uh, what he does, which is always reaching out to people, always being there for people, um, 
is always picking people's call, um, whatever advice they need. Uh, is is that guy and just you know just the way he, he was a leader and that really impacted me being able to take my leadership to another level. Uh, um, just the way he lived his life and you know I remember specifically how you we talked about just the way he lives his life and just somehow you know after that strategy you know just just to have change in times of leadership um, just the way I was able to go into things uh, the way I was able to call guys into greatness that was the kind of guy he was he was a guy that you know, whenever they see greatness in you, he'll call it out of you, no matter if even if you like it or not. So, uh, it it was. I mean, it was very sad that he uh, he passed away. But uh, through him, I've seen another side of me spiritually and just things I haven't you know seen in my life. Just through that tragedy, I've seen so much, and uh, and I I love him, uh, and it's. We'll continue to love him, and he's still living me, and he's living through me to today. Yeah, Daniel's one of those guys that if you meet him once, you remember him forever. Right. And when he came on that visit, he just brings up uh, energy into a room, and he's magnetic in his personality, and he, he is able to just call people to greater things, and he elevates everyone who's around him. And it really was inspiring to watch the way you carried that forward because we saw new dimensions of your personality and leadership this year that we hadn't. And for you to honor him in that way this year was really special for all of us. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're back in the second half with Coach Greg Tonigal. Coach, we just heard Joel talk about his journey to Indiana Wesley and what's happened since. Now that you know Joel so well and you think back to the eight years that he's had since he's seen his family, just what do you think of Joel and the journey he's been on? Joel is just an inspiration. I mean, when you when you hear his story, that's half of it. The other half is how he's responded in his his countenance. I mean, he walks in with a smile into every room that he enters. He's always empowering other people. He gives us all. Uh, you know, in the years that he's been with us, not once have we ever have to ask ever had to have asked him to give a better effort. And if anybody had reason to come in with his head hanging, come in down or it's Joel, but he but he hasn't. He hasn't used uh, his past has never been an excuse. It's been something that he has grown and leveraged to become a better, stronger man and to make other people better. And that really showed itself last year. He came in and he probably thought he was going to have a massive impact on the team, 
But in January and February, he was not getting off the bench at all, and his, his effort never wavered. What do you remember about seeing Joel during that time, and then as he emerged to lead us to the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, our team had stalled, and, and we knew it. We were <clears throat> just had reached a plateau, and uh, early February is not the time, if, right, if you're a coach. So we, we'd been asking, well, what is it? What does this team need? And we knew we needed leadership at the point guard position. We needed some somebody that the team would follow, and uh, the answer was on our bench. You know, oftentimes I think as, as a coach, you, you think about what you don't have, and, you, and especially as a college coach, well, we'll just recruit better next year. But we took a hard look and realized we had a kid – who every day in practice was giving his all, was diving on the floor, was busting his butt. And so it was his opportunity, and he sure responded when given that opportunity. But even more than what he did individually, it was the way the team rallied around him. He had the respect of his teammates. That's the, that's the mark of a great point guard, and that's the mark of a great basketball player is when you can take other people with you. And just in a matter of a few games, Joel took other people with him. What I love to hear from Joel about his story that maybe you could comment on. As he looked back on that time after the season, he said, you know, I needed to be humbled in order to be able to to lead the team in the best possible way. We couldn't have seen that because he was playing hard in practice every day. He just wasn't playing well. How did you think of that attitude he had later when he took the time on the bench and said, I needed that for my own growth? I mean, you and I have been a part of a lot of postseason meetings. And undoubtedly, the players that walk in and say, hey, Look, I take ownership for the, the good and the bad, and I'm willing to improve. Always walk away better. The ones that walk in and, and want to complain and you know point the finger and say, well, I wasn't given this opportunity or you didn't do this for me. Sadly, I can tell you where that, that player's headed, You know what, what direction they're going to head with success. And Joel's, Joel's a complete opposite. He could have came in and complained because he, he probably had the potential to, knowing that he sat the bench, he didn't get an opportunity. I wouldn't say the guys in front of him were, were making a uh, – making it obvious. But instead, he said, you know what, I needed to be humbled. I had transferred from Division One. I, I, I thought I was going to come in and dominate. And I'd probably not spend as much time as I should have in the gym. And and he used that opportunity or that adversity, as, as we're talking about, to uh, leverage it for his own growth. Now that we enter into to this season, the, the one that we're on in this pursuit, how did you see that play into Joel's emergence as a, the starting point guard and one of the leaders on our team? Well, I've, I've said this before, I'm biased because I somewhat was a former point guard, and I love point guards because of the potential for leadership. The ball's in their hands. Guys are waiting to hear directions. It's kind of like the quarterback. We're not going to snap it until you tell us, and we're not going to run a play until you command us. And we went and won a national championship this year because we had some we had some awesome pieces, don't get me wrong, but Joel made those pieces go. And on a team that uh, early on in the season just loved to score the ball, Joel just said, I'm going to find my identity in defense. And you got to have a guy like that. And you got to be able to hang your hat on a guy like that. And slowly, Joel been to get, begun to get other guys bought in on the defensive end. And slowly, by the, by the time the national tournament rolled around, anytime there was five guys on the floor, they were bought in. And I got to give Joel the credit for that. One of the things I love about that that he talked about in the first half was the importance of the little things. He focused on all the little things. But then when we get in the national tournament, as we'll talk about in later episodes, he did the big things. He scored. He made shots. He made an impact in ways that were obvious. But it started on a foundation of focusing on the little things. Now, last thing, Coach, the focus of this episode is adversity. And and there's different types of adversity. The, the adversity Joel face is very real. But there's also adversity in a basketball season. <clears throat> For our guys, there's adversity later in life. 
why is an ad, uh, I am third attitude so important when facing adversity and, and how does it set you up for growth? Well, I think perspective determines reality. And when you're going through something like that, you have a choice of, of what your perspective is going to be and where you're going to lock your eyes on. You can focus on what's going wrong or you can focus on maybe how God is shaping and molding you. And then in that, how is he going to use this to benefit somebody else? And I promise you, if you can find that perspective, if you can change your mindset, you're going to become somebody new. God's going to work something in you that hadn't been in you before. And, and we know everything God does in our lives is for his benefit and, and also for our good. And as that happens, we begin to, to become beneficial to other people. And who doesn't want to live that kind of life where you're constantly being ch changed and formed and the people around you are benefiting from that? I mean, that you put 14 guys together in a room and everybody has that mindset. You're going to grow and you're going to have fun. You're going to love life. That's really the story of Joel. And on future episodes, he's going to come back on and we're going to hear from him and from his teammates how that played out. We're back with Coach Tonigal in overtime for this episode. We have a question through email from Aaron. Aaron is a dentist, and he asked, your program is a great model of putting vision into practice and creating a culture that anybody can learn from. Any advice, thoughts on resources to help cultivate that type of leadership? That's a great question, Aaron. I, <clears throat> I first think that if you're asking that, it tells me you're hungry. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about a habit. And, and one of the habits are some of the habits I guess we're trying to uh, grow into our program. We're just trying to saturate ourselves with the voice of God, which can happen in a, in a variety of ways. But, but we believe when you hang around the word, when you live in community, and, and, and when you spend time in prayer, you're, you're bound to hear that voice. And so we're just going to try to posture ourselves to those things for the people that we lead. So whether you're a dad at home and you got a family, or you're a dentist and you, you, you got to practice, you, you practice those those habits, I think you're going to hear the voice of God, and then you can begin to implement that in, into your practice for the people that you lead. So I'd say give it your best shot, have fun with it, and uh, good luck. And that really reminds me of something we're going to talk about down the road as we move into national tournament, but, but you really challenged us in this pattern of five, five, five. Spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes in the Word, and then five minutes talking about the things you heard and what you sensed in community. And God really used that in some explosive ways in our guys, and we'll be talking about that in future episodes. On our next episode, Micah Davis will join us to talk about the team's trip to a prison in January to spend time with inmates. In that moment, although I don't know what it's like to walk in their shoes, I also felt empathy for them, and I think that they felt that empathy and knew that I was being sincere in what I was saying, that the love of God can, can reach the preacher's kid and it can reach the inmate and that there's no there's no difference between the two that we're all sinners and we all fall short. Coach Tonegal will come on in the second half and share the importance of these outreach opportunities for the team and the role they have played in the development of the I Am Third culture. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask iWooHoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iWooHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, 
first find a way to be third.